Good evening. Good evening, everyone. It's good to have you here. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not... I'm going to say, okay, let me hear you. I can hear you. <laughs> uh, isn't it amazing how fast time is flying? Uh, I... Uh, I thought it was still the first part of the year, you know. And all of a sudden we're already planning our graduations and uh, uh, women's retreat in April and uh, summer's coming. Vacation Bible school is already upon us. And, uh, before you know it, uh, you'll be singing Christmas songs again. <laughs> Time is moving rapidly, and one reason that we see this happening is because the Lord is coming soon. Um, He said he would. He said he would come at a time when things were going to be crazy and insane. (laughs) He didn't use those words, but... He might have as well have used them. When you read the newspapers or see the news on TV nowadays and and makes you wonder, you know, could I mean the Lord could come at any moment, right? When you see these signs, deceivers in the world and nations rising against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. Um, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, diseases. You've probably heard many times that people have said, listen, we're, we're in the 21st century. I saw, you know, there shouldn't be any, any more diseases, you know. With all the medical advances that we've had, but we still have diseases. And, it, and, and, and it's not as if it's waking people up, even in the church. Some people have found themselves in, in certain niches of complacency, just kind of going along with the flow, you know. Others have given to supporting causes that uh, are actually unbiblical and detrimental in the sense of, of one's views about the nation and state of Israel. Or campaigning strongly for same-sex marriage. It doesn't really make sense. So, it's my prayer that when we open God's Word that we realize what we are seeing and how impacting it is going to be for us. 
to see the things happening and tell people, listen, Jesus is still Lord. And He's still the one who died on a cross for you. And you need to realize the importance of coming to Christ Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Redeemer. Because the question is the question being asked all around us today, but it was asked 2,000 years ago. The question is, what is truth? Pontius Pilate asked that of, of Jesus. But people are asking that today as well. What is truth? And Jesus declared, he, he didn't declare, he didn't say this as if, well, you want to believe it, you can believe it if you want, you know, if you don't want to believe it, you don't believe it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one will find salvation except through Jesus Christ. No matter how hard man will try. But everything happening in this world today, Jesus predicted. More than that, not that you can do more than what Jesus did, but he actually inspired the prophets hundreds of years before to show us the very same things that are happening with the very same nations that are still around today. So, who are we going to believe? Google? Wikipedia? Facebook? ISIS? Al-Qaeda? Or are we going to believe Jesus Christ who is the Logos of God, the Word of God? We have His Word before us today. Let's read it. Let's grow in His love, grace, mercy, and truth. Shall we pray? Father, I thank You for this time and this night that we have together to learn of you and to grow more and more in the mercy and the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We today, Lord God, are amazed at how much you love us in spite of us. We are amazed, Lord God, that you use us, Lord, more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever know. We would pray, Father, that what we learn from your word today, what we'll learn in our Bible studies here, what we'll learn in our in our times on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights from your word. Father, will not just be some kind of an academic uh, endeavor on our part. Lord, may it be that we are hungry for your truth, hungry for, for your life, hungry, Father, for your strength and for your wisdom because we live in very dangerous times, perilous times, as your word says. And Lord, I pray, Father, that we will die to ourselves tonight and that we will let Christ live in us and that, Lord, your life, your spirit will move in us and not only tonight, but, Lord, every day of our lives until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We, we even lay our sins down before you right now, Lord God. We, we don't want to be encumbered, Lord God, from, by anything that would keep us from understanding you.
I know we struggle, Lord, every day. But we have a great God who loves us. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you now. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your wisdom. That is something you give us without reproach. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Daniel chapter 7. We uh, were focusing our attention last time on the fourth beast that would actually signify the Roman Empire, the divided Roman Empire of East and West, and, and really the, the Eastern part of it, as we, we said, and I'll talk a little bit more about that tonight, just would be the, 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 the part of the Roman Empire that we've kind of neglected until now. We can't neglect it because of what we see happening in the world today, especially in the Eastern areas where the Roman Empire had, had really been its, its strongest, as it were. And then we moved on into heaven to look at the Ancient of Days, which we're going to start with, as a matter of fact, in verse 9. Daniel, in other words, give us, gives us this, this vision, the, these visions of these uh, beasts. But then he, then he goes immediately into giving us a vision of, 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 uh, of the Father. We, we see in, in verses 9 through 14... Uh, the text that we're going to look at tonight, I, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, which means till the thrones were placed and established, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, the judgment was set, and the books were open. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horns spake. Now, now he's, he's in between these visions, and the horn being the little horn of the, that was in the midst of the ten horns of the beast, of that uh, fourth beast. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horns spake, I, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame, the flame that proceeded from the Ancient of Days that we saw uh, just uh, a couple of verses earlier. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they, they had their dominion taken away. Speaking of the first three beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions... And behold, and this is another vision, he says, One like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him, that is, the Son of Man. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed we left off last week with the vision given to Daniel of the ancient of days a wonderful statement a wonderful designation the ancient of days 
This coming, of course, after Daniel's account of four beasts, which he saw in the dreams and visions given to him by the Lord. Now, these beasts, or those beasts, were representing not only the nations that coincided with the nations of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, in other words, Babylon and Persia, Greece or Macedonia and Rome, the fourth, but significant of powers that will play a major role in the last day's prophetic scenarios. So, always remember that there is near fulfillment of Scripture and far fulfillment of Scripture. So, the near fulfillment of Scripture was actually happening in the time of Daniel, at least part of, partially. Babylon, of course, with Nebuchadnezzar. Persia, of course, with Darius and Cyrus. Greece, of course, with Alexander the Great. And then, of course, came the Roman Empire. Daniel only, of course, saw the first two. Uh, and yet, as we saw in our text, the first three, were, dominion was taken from them, but they prolonged their lives in the very fact that they're still, quote-unquote, Babylonians today. There are still Persians today. Uh, we know them as Iranians or Iranians. The Babylonians can be kind of considered the, uh, uh, the people who are now in Iraq and other regions of that area around the Tigris-Euphrates rivers. And, uh, and then, of course, there's Greece and Macedonia, which is more of the western side of the eastern uh, portion of, of the Roman Empire, or what would become the Roman Empire. But it's interesting, though, that the fourth beast isn't given that same <laughs> uh, blessing, as it were. But we'll talk about that more later. Rome, as I said last time, is somewhat misleading because we need to give room to considering the more influential eastern part of that empire, as I said earlier, rather than the western part. In effect, responding to the current Islamic terroristic threats imposed on our society from nations and peoples existing in the very same regions as those of the past. So you understand, like last week I mentioned, that the armies of Rome in the eastern sector of, of the Roman Empire, the eastern part of the Roman Empire, were made up of people from Turkey and Syria and, and uh, in, in all of those regions that uh, we see actually very active today. But today what we see is Hezbollah and Hamas and Al-Qaeda and other groups in that area and region, ISIS, uh, the an interesting thing, because we, we, we all hear different things about who's sponsoring these terroristic organizations and terroristic groups. And of course, everybody's eyes are turning to Iran. Look at the major news today about Iran and, and Israel. And, and everybody thought, you know, and, and, you know, praise God that Netanyahu maintained his position as prime minister. And people say, well, how did that happen? He was losing well, God's in control. God's in control. What are we worried about? And even if he hadn't, God's still in control. But I can tell you this. The Lord has his hand upon his people. And uh, Netanyahu made some very strong uh, statements about no concessions and no Palestinian state. 
And, and of course, you know, everybody else that was campaigning against him, were, uh, they, they were certainly wanting to have some kind of concessions and some kind of peace agreements with everybody that are their enemies. So it just, it's a crazy thing. That's why I was saying earlier, I mean, we're living in a crazy world. But a lot of the financial backing, be, be, you know, for ISIS and all, a lot of people don't realize it. It's coming from Iran. A lot of it is coming from Turkey. What is Turkey all about? It's about regaining the, the caliphate that they lost back in 1923. We talked about that in the book of, when we studied the book of Revelation. And that was also fulfilled prophecy, if you remember, when we talked about the, uh, you know, the, the kingdoms, the seven kingdoms, and there was an eighth kingdom. And that's the part of the kingdom that's trying to renew itself today in, this, in, in the form of these terrorists, these Islamic terrorists. And we in this country are saying that we, 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 we're not going to label them that. That's what they are. That's all they've ever labeled themselves. Okay, enough about politics here. But the vision as a whole, now getting back to this vision of Daniel, the vision as a whole concerns the end of Gentile world domination and what follows that is the judgment of the Ancient of Days. That term itself speaks of his eternal existence as was noted last time and illustrated by Isaiah 43.13. I quoted this last week, Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? And, you know, who shall prevent the things that I do? People need to take more consideration of the things that God is saying about himself when it comes to the fact that he says, I am, I am he, I'm the beginning and the end, I'm before everything and I'm, I'm going to be around till the very end. And nobody's going to be able to prevent what I do. There are aspects of God's nature that we want to glean from this passage here of the Ancient of Days. First of all, the Ancient of Days signifies that He is an eternal God. The phrase Ancient of Days signifies that He is an eternal God. Always has been, always will be. Secondly, when we see that he's, he's clothed in a white garment that signifies his purity and righteousness. There's certainly no doubt about that because if he's not pure and he's not righteous, then he's not God. <laughs> Secondly, we, we have a signif signification here, as it were, of a white hair, you know, uh, as, as pure wool. Of course, again, a vision. Some people have wanted to say, well, the Ancient of Days has to be Jesus as well. Well, it's possible, but... Here's the, here's the thing, and we're going to see Jesus in, in verse 13. But here, white hair, as pure as wool, it, it, it signifies wisdom. It signifies the wisdom. The scriptures are very clear of that. You can read it in the book of Proverbs when it talks about the, the, you know, the hair of, of uh, uh, the white hair of a person is, 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 is speaks of his not only age, but of his wisdom. At least it should. And then there's fiery flame, fire, fire stream, fiery stream that we see mentioned you know, proceeding now from, from, from the Ancient of Days. Well, this is his judgment. This is signifying judgment. We see that he will be worshipped. And of course, if he is worshipped, then that signifies his sovereignty. He is sovereign over all things. God's sovereignty, as, as, uh, in contrast to world sovereignty or, or national sovereignty, God's sovereignty is that He is God. He'll always be God. 
He'll never not be God. He's not voted again. He's not uh, voted out of office. He's not voted into office. He's always going to be there. Therefore, he's worthy of worship. So he's worshiped. And then lastly, we see that he sits. And that sitting there reminds us of a judge who comes and is ready to pronounce judgment. So he comes as a judge who is true and righteous in the justice that he brings forth. So the, the identity of the Ancient of Days is God the Father becomes apparent now. As we read of the Son of Man in verse 13 of our text, that being the Messiah, Jesus. And we'll see it in just a moment. One last thing before we move on pertains to the books that are opened. It mentions the books that are opened there at the end of verse 10. And the scripture describes various books. And one, one designation of, of, uh, of books is called the, uh, the book of the living. The book of the living. We see that in Psalm 69 verse 28. So if you're taking notes, this is, well, it's already mentioned for you in the scripture. (laughs) Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Of course, you want to go back and read all of Psalm 69 so you'll know who it's talking about and and what the significance it is. But I'm I'm just bringing it to you so you can see that there's a book called the book of the living. And then there's a book mentioned called the Book of Remembrance. The Book of Remembrance. And that again, it kind of comes in a kind of a, a strong statement made by, in Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And there it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that uh, thought upon his name. So you have to read the whole passage to understand uh, the context of that. But I, I just mention this because there is a book called the Book of Remembrance. And it's written for them that feared the Lord. And then there is, of course, a book we know called the Book of Life. I, I want to start with Philippians chapter 4, verse thir- uh, 3, because... Again, this, this, uh, this statement is something that uh, is more of a um, uh, positive statement, as it were. I use the word positive a lot uh, for these things. But uh, it says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other uh, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So, uh Paul can say that confidently because not only are the people that he's mentioning saved by the grace of God, but they show their salvation by their, by their works. They, they show their salvation by their, their, their dedication to, to uh, the Lord as well as to the Apostle Paul and, and to those in the church. So a, a, a wonderful statement there. But the book of life is mentioned in a number of verses in the book of Revelation. And uh, so we've already gone through the book of Revelation, but you can go back and look it up in a, in a concordance and see where the book of life is mentioned. But, but uh, let me mention just one that takes us to Revelation 13, because we're going to go to Revelation 13 in just a moment. So I take you to Revelation 13, verse 8, if you will. And there the book of life is mentioned, but not in a great, wonderful way for anybody who does not receive the 
blessing of the Lord. It says all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him. But if you know the context, it's about worshiping the beast uh, and, and, and the dragon. And all that, that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if we were to take the books, you know, we've often said that uh, we, books are opened uh, in the Scriptures. So any, any or all of these books that we have mentioned, the book of remembrance or the book of life or the book of the living, uh, they can be any or all of these books are, are meant in verse 10 of our text. But this brings us to the passage in Daniel chapter 7 that spells doom for the Antichrist. Keep your finger here in Revelation 13. We're going to come right back to it. But if we go back to our text, verses 11 and 12, let's look at what it says. It says, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, we just see mention here of the beast. Of course, that is the beast that represents the fourth kingdom here in the book of Daniel. But we also know that in Revelation chapter 13, there is another beast mentioned there. So keep that in mind. And then in verse 12 it says, As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So the vision, or this vision brings us to the end, or the close of the times of the Gentiles. So mark that in your Bibles, mark that in your notes, that this vision now of the destruction of of uh of the beast is marking the end or the close of the times of the gentiles when the fourth beast with the 10 horns and the little horn the last thing spoken of this world empire by the way when they are in full swing then the end comes then the end comes We have before us a a, a great judgment scene, one that many in Christendom, and I referred to this in my opening comments before we began our study, one that many in Christendom are not actually looking for, a scene that some people are not looking for. The majority of what I call stale, stagnant Christianity, and by the way, you get stale and stagnant when you don't study the Word of God, you get stale and stagnant when you, when you begin to trust in other things other than the Word of God. So the majority of stale and stagnant Christianity knows nothing about this age coming to an end. Doesn't have any desire to know what's coming to the end. They would rather call us who believe in what the Word of God says about the end times because we see what the end times uh, things are uh, uh, happening and we see, you know, we compare it to, to the Word of God. We compare it to what's going on in the, in, in the world today. Uh, you know, they call us kind of, you know, just uh, off-the-wall people. That's okay. We believe what the Word of God says. We're going we're gonna to stand upon it. But these people have been led to believe that the age will go on indefinitely. In other words, there's not a time when Jesus is really going to come you know, but, uh, but some people actually believe they have this dominion theology in their minds that, you know, we're going to make the world better. And so there's not going to be a time of judgment like we see in the Scriptures. That's all just to scare you into the kingdom. For some, of, for some people, that's what they believe. 
But they believe that the age will go on indefinitely and its future is world progress. Now let me ask you a question. How's the world doing? How's the world progressing today? They believe that the age will go on indefinitely and its future is world progress, it's better times, and the triumph of a Christian civilization. Obviously, they didn't hear President Obama say it when he first became president of this United States, that we're no longer a Christian nation. Obviously, they didn't believe him, yet they support him in a lot of ways. But they didn't believe him. And I believe a lot of them are turning a blind eye to the Christians that are being killed today in the Middle East. And many of them today are, are, are going from uh, getting away from biblical uh, foundations and, 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 and beginning to, be, because of their replacement theology that goes along with their dominion theology, uh, the replacement theology of replacing Israel uh, from the promises of God, uh, that uh, now they, they believe that they're, they're being a little bit more uh, pious by, by supporting Christian, what's, called, what's been called Christian Palestinianism, which is let's support Palestine and not, or, or the Palestinians, and, and, uh, who, who, by the way, are not really a, 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 a real group or nation, a, a race of people. And go against the ones that truly are and are God's people, which is the Jewish people. So they've got it all backward, you see. And then there are others who believe that since a judgment must come, that this must be what we're seeing here in Daniel chapter 7, this must be the last universal judgment, which it is not. This is not the last universal judgment. This judgment precedes the final judgment by a thousand years. But when you lose sight of numbers, when you lose sight of specifics and literals that are given to us in the Scriptures, when you lose sight of them, then you're going to have an eschatology, an end-time theology that just doesn't make sense. The judgment of, uh, that, that is a thousand years past this judgment is what we know as the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20 verse 11. But this judgment can be seen, this one here in Daniel can be seen in Matthew chapter 25 and Revelation 19. Revelation 19 comes right before Revelation 20. Does that make sense to you? It does to me because that is chronological in this section of Revelation. It is chronological. Revelation 19 comes before 20. What a revelation! But turn, if you will, to Matthew 25. Let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go to Matthew 25. You need to read from verse 31 all the way to the end, but that just takes too much time. So I'm just going to read the first three verses there. Verses 31 through 33. When the Son of Man... Now remember, this is Jesus speaking. So He is speaking His own prophecy. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, 
Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Where do you think that's going to be? Some of you went there not too long ago. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. But this is happening a thousand years before the great white throne judgment. The separation of sheep and goats. The sheep, the believers, the goats, the non-believers. Revelation 19, verses 19 through 21. By the way, again, remember, read the rest of, 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 of Matthew 25. Revelation 19:19 I saw the beast and the kings of the earth Now there's still nations, right? Nations with their leaders, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Who's sitting on the horse? Yeshua, Jesus. If you read all of chapter 19, which comes before 20. Okay, we got that. And uh, the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Remember that back in chapter 13. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. A little bit more specificity when it comes to the separation of sheep and goats. Now more specifically, and in line with Daniel's vision, we see the little horn of the fourth beast Speak pompous words. This is going back, of course, to verse 11 of our text. The little horn speaks pompous words. The final human tyrant and despot that we know better as the Antichrist will be characterized by his arrogant, proud, and blasphemous speaking. And if you are still got a finger in Revelation 13, go back there to verses 5 and 6. Because those verses coincide with this verse in Daniel 7. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That is three and a half years. Remember at the, end, at the middle of the three and a half of the seven years. I should say at the middle of the seven years. Then this Antichrist is revealed. We'll get into that actually more in chapter 9. Uh, and then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So, Daniel saw that because of the blasphemous words of the little horn, the last beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame of God's 
judgment. The other beasts were not dealt with so instantaneously. They had their dominion taken away. But uh, their life was prolonged, it says, for a season and a time, which actually agrees with history, as I said earlier. For those three, na- those three nations that were mentioned then still exist to some extent even now. And so the fourth beast will be destroyed and the other nations continue, but not with any dominion of their own. They're, they're not really dominating when you think about it. They want to. Take Persia, for example. If you've, if you've been keeping up with what's going on between uh, the, the things that are going on in Iraq and in Iran today, there, there was a statement made by someone in Iran, I believe, of their desire to have total domination of Babylon. When I say Babylon, I talk about Iraq. And I, I mentioned that, that Persia wants to overtake Babylon. Does that sound familiar? Well, it is. That's what took place in chapter 5 of this book of Daniel. The Persians came and took over Babylon. Near fulfillment? Possible far fulfillment? The Word of God is still active today. Now, when Jesus does come to set up His kingdom the realm of the Antichrist will be completely crushed and still some nations will continue in the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Messiah, when he sets up his kingdom. So we know that this, this particular judgment is not the judgment that is the final judgment of all because there are, other na- there are nations that will continue on. And we get to the next vision that Daniel had in verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man now came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. They being probably the angels bringing the son of man before the ancient of days. It's, it's, this is a very ceremonial picture here. As ceremonial, I, I forgot to mention this, but if you go back over to... Uh, uh, let me see where that was. I beheld the throne till the thrones were cast down. Verse The beginning of verse 9, where it says, I, I beheld and the, the thrones were cast down. And, and you know, we, we were telling you the other day that uh, that cast down really means to be placed or to be established. But it's interesting that the King James uses the phrase cast down because in reality, if you remember, this is, this is Aramaic, this is... Uh, not so much just Aramaic, but, uh, you know, the, the Chaldean language and the Chaldean customs that uh, Daniel had been taught in Babylon. Well, the custom was when a king was going to come into a, a room in a festivity, uh, in a place of festivity, they actually would take all of their rugs and they would throw their rugs and their cushions and everything before the throne so that he would feel comfortable. <laughs> It was ceremonial. It's over the cast down. It's not a bad, really not a bad translation, but to understand it, it was to be, you know, the, the throne would be established, therefore the king could sit, or the ancient of days in this case. Anyway, going back to this, this was, this was ceremonial in bringing the one who is now going to be crowned the king, speaking of the Messiah, he's, he's brought in for his, 
coronation, as it were. And there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom that all people, nations, and language, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that, that which shall not be destroyed. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So another vision is given to Daniel that is closely connected to the vision of the Ancient of Days and the judgment of the fourth beast. The Lord appears as the Son of Man to receive the earthly kingdom. So it would be good to go back to Nebuchadnezzar's dream for just a moment to capture, as it were, the appearance of the Son of Man. Because remember, we've been comparing the vision of Nebuchadnezzar with the vision of Daniel. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 2 for just a, a couple of verses here. Daniel 2, verse 31. Okay? Y'all getting there? All right. Thou, O king. Now remember, this is Daniel. Daniel receives this, this dream from the Lord so that he can tell him, listen, I not, only, I, I not only can interpret the dream, but I received the dream. I can tell you what the dream was. So he says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. But the terribleness says it was, it was just this, it was awesome in sight, you know. Uh, this image, uh, verse 32, this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that stone, or till, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. The stone, Jesus, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay. Remember the, the other first three nations, the dominions that was taken away from them, the other is destroyed. Uh, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, to understand that, go down to the end, to verses 44 and 45 of the same chapter. It says, And in the days of these kings... Shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed? And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. That is why there's only going to be one ruler and, and one kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, Messiah. The kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation is true or sure. The stone which smote the image as seen by Nebuchadnezzar now becomes the mountain filling the whole earth. The Ancient of Days represents God the Father in this vision, giving the kingdom to Him who is the Son of Man. 
Again, this giving of the kingdom, this, this is kind of a coronation as it were. It is significant that the title Son of Man is used of Jesus 80 times in the four Gospels alone, but many times in the New Testament. Consider, if you will, what Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Because Paul says, but this man, now he's saying, now, the Jews had their their ceremonial uh, sacrifices and all. We, ne- we, we need to read this a little bit ahead. But he said, but this man, speaking of the Son of Man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting or waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. That man is the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, who is God the Son. This is Jesus. You read in Psalm 2, verses 7 through 12, it says, I will declare the decree, the Lord, all capitals there signifies the name of God. We sometimes say Jehovah, sometimes Yahweh. Uh, In Hebrew, they don't like to pronounce that name. They believe it to be very sacred, very holy. So they'll call it Hashem, which means the name. Uh, others will insert Adonai, which means Lord, but uh, kind of Lord with capital L, little O-R-D. Nonetheless, they say, The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. That is not begotten as if Jesus had to be born in the sense of being uh, the son of God. He, it, just, it just signifies you know, the, the very fact that uh, this is the calling that he has been given as the son of God. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen, the heathen or the nations for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Again, speaking of Jesus. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. <clears throat> was this done before? Was this done after his birth in the earth or was this going to be done later? See, when he came the first time, he didn't come to judge. He came to to serve, well, he came to to save. <laughs> Remember uh, John three seventeen. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But when He comes again, He comes now then to fulfill the uh, justice part of 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 uh, the kingdom. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. More uh, leaders in the world need to heed these words. They need to open any Bibles that maybe they've ever been given and listen to these words. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Not many world leaders today do this. Kiss the sun or worship toward the sun, as it were, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You go on to Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said unto my Lord. Isn't that an interesting statement? The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the name of God, the Ancient of Days, Yahweh, Jehovah, Y-H-W-H, Hashem, 
Adonai. The Lord said unto my Lord. How many lords are there? There's only one. The Lord said to my Lord. Sit thou at my right hand. Who sits at the right hand? What did we just read in Hebrews chapter 10? Jesus. Until I make thine enemies thy (coughs) footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Where's Zion? In Jerusalem. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So there is one thing that we can know for sure. Based upon the entirety of the word of God. A kingdom will be set up on this earth. A kingdom into which all peoples and nations will be gathered. A kingdom over which one great and glorious king will rule and reign with his scepter in his hand, whom all nations and peoples and languages shall serve. This is the kingdom for which the Lord taught his disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come. He himself is the king of glory. He himself is the king of glory. Psalm 24 verses 7 through 10 mentions the King of Glory this way. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And this is speaking of the gates and the doors of Jerusalem. And the King of Glory shall come in. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. What, what is going to take place? Not going to be a very long battle, is it, when, when, when Jesus leads the armies of heaven against the armies that are against him? I don't think it will be a very long battle at all. The Lord is mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah means, listen, you better ponder this. And you better consider that this King of glory is strong and mighty. Well, that kingdom is not yet on the earth. It's coming. Because Jesus promised, but it's not yet on the earth. It cannot be here until the fourth beast with its ten horns and the eleventh little horn with all of its blasphemies has been on the earth. So let's face it. That time is very near. That time is very near. Listen, you you get on YouTube, man, you can... I mean, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff on YouTube. i got to tell you, a lot of weird stuff on YouTube. But you can get on YouTube. Maybe you, in the search engine there, you can just type in uh, um, Antichrist. You know, who's, who's, the, who's the latest Antichrist? Man, everybody's Antichrist. All kinds of people Antichrist. But you know what? Only God knows who he is. And he's probably going to be a whole lot different than what a lot of people expect because when we start reading... In chapter 8 in a couple of weeks, from 8 through chapter 11, we're going to realize that the, that the Antichrist that we think was coming out of uh, Europe with fair hair and possibly, you know, some weird tendencies, ain't that way at all. But we'll get to it. Got to stay tuned and you got to keep coming. But the kingdom cannot come until he, the king of glory, comes again. This second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ ends completely Gentile rule, ends completely 
Gentile anything, and, and he establishes his kingdom on earth. And so the vision here is an expansion of Nebuchadnezzar's dream concerning the smiting stone, crushing first, then filling the whole earth as a mountain. And what is a mountain significant of? Government. Government. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me conclude with a reference to this whole prophecy made by an angel before Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb. Turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33, and we'll close with this tonight. Luke 1, 31 to 33. And behold... Remember the angel to Mary. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Yeshua. God is salvation. God is salvation. He shall be called great or he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And where will he rule from for a thousand years on this earth? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Is it any wonder why that piece of property, why that real estate today is so coveted by so many? But folks, it still belongs to God. It's still His and He still loves it. He loves Mount Zion. He loves the city. It's His city. It's His possession. And He has said, don't try to divide this. It's mine. So what's all the commotion about? Dividing his land. At some point, God says, that's enough. That's enough. And you read the prophecies of Zechariah and Zephaniah and Obadiah and Hosea and Joel And you realize God's not messing around. He says, I will have enough of this. Now, it's my move. Our best move is to come to Him and to be with Him when He comes again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to to read and to rightly divide your word tonight. Pray, Father, that you will strengthen our hearts. With wisdom and patience, 
Grant us, Lord, the help that we need to persevere day by day until the day of Christ. For there are certainly many battles that are laid before us, some battles that seek to distract us away from the way that we are to live, the way that we are to be. We pray, Father, that you will always keep us on the straight and on the narrow, the path that leads to righteousness and godliness and holiness. We bless you, Father, for all that you've done to bring us to the understanding of the love and the mercy and the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, Lord, so much need to be right with you today. So I pray, Father, that none of us will leave here until we get right with you. And no matter how long that may take, it is so important, Lord God, that we don't leave here without you. In this world at this moment, we, we, we see so much knowledge going here, there, fast. And that's just a, that's just a fulfillment of prophecy. Knowledge will increase in speed and, and what, is, what is given. But Lord, it just reminds us that the day of Christ is near. Lord, humble us, Lord, humble us more each day so that we might do what is right for you, before you, toward you, for your glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.